Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Wednesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, game two tonight in Memphis. And to break it all down, we've got the great Howard Beck. That's next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked on Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast. It's always going to be free. It's never going to be behind a paywall. And Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to watch the show uh, and gaze upon the visage of the great Howard Beck, who joins us today. Look at that face joining us from under a bridge uh, <laughs> on location uh, like a troll of some sort <laughs> living under a bridge. Um this is exciting because if people don't realize this, Howard is uh, is going to be a, a, a big part of the network um, through the playoffs, adding his insight, his expertise. And of course, we've known Howard for years and he's been kind enough to come on our shows for a long time. So this is like normal for us, but very exciting. We didn't need, we didn't need the network to make this happen. No. <laughs> Although I will say the last time we had Howard on, it had to be done through a publicist or a PR person or something. That is true. That wasn't my idea, by Mr. the way. Mr. Beck it, will come on your show, but he says no direct eye contact. That's yeah, it, it, was. it was very much like when uh, that episode of Seinfeld, when Kramer had his intern for Kramerica <laughs> Industries. This was like Beckica Industries. I, I I need an intern to to handle all this for me now. Uh, gentlemen, great to see you again. Uh, my favorite podcasting brothers, uh, the only brothers podcasting that I know, frankly. But, but if, that, even that if there were others diminishing. out there, you would still be at the top of my list. Thank you. The Sklar uh, brothers uh, taking strays. <laughs> they didn't expect this. <laughs> They've never had me on, so screw those guys. They're actually yeah. good guys. They're, we, I, I'm, I'm I've sure known Randy are, and Jason no. since I was little. But <laughs> uh, do want to let people know that today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app and create an account. Use the code LOCKEDONNBA. For $20 off your first purchase, last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Um, so game two is tonight uh, still waiting to find out whether or not Ja Morant is going to be available, whether or not he'll be healthy enough to be uh, useful, even if he does try to play. Um, before we dig, dig too much into what to expect um, for tonight, and I also actually want to ask you a couple questions, Howard, about the uh, the whole DPOY thing and the perception of Anthony Davis around the league right now. Um, what do you think of Game One? Because that fourth quarter was special in a lot of ways, particularly given who led the Lakers down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, li listen. Given all of the different iterations of the Lakers this season and all of the uh, justifiable doubts, concerns, freakouts, panics, whatever, um, this was almost best case scenario. Not just that they're winning game one, stealing home court advantage, but that they're doing it with LeBron and Anthony Davis as their third and fourth leading scorers. <laughs> um, and look, even if you were the the most optimistic, uh, greatest believer in Austin Reeves on earth, and, and you said, well, he's going to give us 23 points, great. You still could not have anticipated the Rui Hachimura 29 point explosion um which was just like every every shot he made it seemed like uh, i can't remember who the announcing crew but they just they the, the surprise just kept growing like oh oh there's oh there's another one oh he keep oh wow he can he can do this um 
listen, like these are these are guys with with basically no playoff experience besides. And so if you were even even in this better version of the Lakers, the post trade deadline version of them where you thought, oh, you know what? It's coming into focus. The, the, the pieces fit a little better now. I can see some potential here. You would still or I would still at least at some point coming into this go, you know what? If I had a concern, it's they haven't had a ton of time together. Oh, and by the way, outside of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, most of these guys have little to no playoff experience. And playing with LeBron is a different kind of thing than playing with any other star. Mm -hmm. And these are all things that just can take time. And so, I mean, again, that was best case scenario for them. Doesn't mean it's their ceiling by any stretch. I'm just saying um, they won a game where LeBron didn't have to play a ton of minutes where LeBron didn't have to expend himself in, in any uh, kind of, of way that would that would uh, make you worried about his his uh, stamina for the series. Um, he didn't even have that great of a game by LeBron standards, uh, and they still won. So um, really great signs. And I think th these these are replicatable things too, right? Like we, Hachimura can score. Hachimura can shoot. We know that. Um, Austin Reeves... Can can score and 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 do a lot of other things. So I, I don't think this is some like anomaly where you think, oh, they're never going to repeat that. Like, no, these these are replicatable things. I actually wanted to ask you. You just mentioned Austin Reeves as somebody who's on the East Coast, you know, with that East Coast bias, and also, oh yeah, just, I'm all about well, there's bias. A, <laughs> there's also a different uh, slate of games that it's nothing else easier for you to watch, and you get a lot of perspective on the league from you know the Eastern Conference. Do you think the rest of the league has caught up to slash bought into Austin Reeves like a, as a presence at this point? Because he's theoretically the the third part of a big three if the Lakers are looking to make a run. I mean, it's either him or D'Angelo Russell, but yeah. depending on the day, yeah. Reeves could be that guy. Um. I, I continue to just be uh, amazed and, and wowed by by the graphics on this podcast. I love it. I, I, I hope I hope people watch and stuff. Have you seen this? This is what Austin Reeves looked like at the beginning of the year, and he's played so well that they went back into the game and fixed him. So is that seriously what he looks like? It absolutely. This is. was Austin Reeves before. <laughs> that, that that looks like uh, like young Vlade or something. Yes, like it uh, looks like Vlade, or as I say, uh, like a wheelman for part of a heist crew. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, they fixed him. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, the second Austin looks much more Austin esque. Um, mm -hmm. So um, <laughs> it's killing me. I love it. Uh, all, all the all the podcasts need to do this. This should be. A well, I mean, like, Howard, you make fun of our graphics, but like you know, the budget is pretty much going to you know get Howard back. So I mean, we don't have a lot <laughs> left over for things like this. So this is what Austin Reeves looks like. If I if I have to give back a little of the stipend to fund more <laughs> graphics, I will do it in a heartbeat. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so, um, I, I don't think that the league has to like catch on to a guy in that respect. I, I, I don't mean to get semantic, semantical here. Um, it's, it's more that, um, like, so every team has two different kinds of scouts. You have the advanced scouts who are, are going to games to, uh, feed information back immediately on like sets and rotations and everything else. And then you've got the scouts who are the, the player personnel guys who are also making the rounds who are looking at guys not so much for you know the the you know uh sets and x's and o's to pass along but are scouting them constantly to get get their homework done about free agency trade mm -hmm. possibilities um and i bring that up just to just to partially just to let your audience understand like this is how the information chain works and it's also how the gossip chain works because these are the people that we talk to as reporters um 
And the personnel folks who are making the rounds, they see these guys all the time, right? So um, you go from Austin Reeves curiosity to Austin Reeves breakout player who has everybody's attention pretty quickly in this league. Um, all of which is to say that when I surveyed the landscape this morning, just to kind of get a feel from people. So what's the market look like, you know, to, to your question, how, how, much are they tuned in? How much have they discovered him? Even despite our East Coast bias, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, even the East Coast uh, personnel people um, are fairly impressed. The figure that I heard most often was somewhere in the like 17 million a year range. Somebody even said like 17 to 20 million a year. Somebody said 13 to 14. And then when I said, uh, okay, but what about what he's actually got? I said, that may be what you want to pay him, but what about what you what they might actually have to pay him? And they said, yeah, yeah, probably more like 17. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm in my head. I'm still like thinking about this whole batch of people in like November who describe themselves, no judgment as Austin Reeves curious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they were Austin curious and now they're, you know, they're, they're, uh, Austin, right. Austin engaged. I don't know. Um, <laughs> whatever, the, whatever the next step is that doesn't get us in trouble. Right. Yeah, I was going to say we don't right. need to go too far down this path. Right. Um, no, pe- pe- people are definitely impressed. Um, if I heard one concern, it was like, oh, I'm not sure if the shooting is sustainable. Maybe he's a little over his skis on that aspect of it. But you know, you never know. The funny thing about shooting, if you talk to the analytics guys with three point shooting in particular, you know, somebody will be like a, a career like 32 percent three point shooter, and then one year they come out and they shoot 37, 38% and you go, oh, he fixed his shot or he figured something out or he's got a better rhythm or this is the new version of him. And the analytics guys will tell you that it takes more than one season to, to kind of normalize. And like one, one if, if the one really good season of three-point shooting is the outlier, and we don't have enough track record of Austin Reeves in the NBA to really judge this, but if you've got one outstanding season, um, that might be the outlier. Like just having a full 82-game season of shooting 38% from three, if you had a career of 32% prior to that, doesn't mean that you're necessarily now a 38% shooter. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, the things that are sustainable, right? Like he he plays his ass off. Um, good passer, improving passer, I think. Um, defends hard. Um, and and just seems to be the kind of guy who, who, who fits in well with stars, right? Everybody needs this. Like, you know, look, 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 ask some of the teams that don't have, or, or ask the Lakers who didn't have a you know, good enough supporting cast at times. Um, it's really important to have guys who are ball movers slash defenders slash shooters who can keep defenses honest when you have stars. Um, lots of stuff that we want to keep getting into regarding game two, regarding the future of the Lakers, regarding Anthony Davis, um, over the course of this episode. Uh, and we will get to all of that next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by Ultimate Pro Basketball GM, and it's the coolest game I've played in a while. I've always thought that I could be a great real-life mm. NBA GM. I talk on this podcast a lot like I could do it, and as it turns out, it's not always that easy. Apologies to Rob Palinkin. Apologies <laughs> as to Mitch Project. <laughs> yeah, although it should be noted, I would have never uh, traded for Russell Westbrook or signed Luol Deng. Um, anyway, if you've ever fantasized about owning your own basketball franchise, go download Ultimate Pro Basketball GM right now. The game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, dealing with the challenging personalities of players and coaches, hiring the right staff, trading players, training players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency, all the ups and downs of a season, the draft. Plus, you can talk trash to your friends while playing the game like all the locked-on hosts do with our team. I run 
the Los Angeles Knights under the pseudonym Chaz Bartender. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free, playable offline. You can play it on the go whenever you want, however you want. And Locked on Lakers listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked on in the game store. So make sure to check it out. Download the game. Go to probasketballgm.com. Scan the code or look it up on the app stores. Again, that is probasketballgm.com. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. All right. So, Howard, you you kind of alluded to this um, earlier. And by the way, I agree with you. I think Austin Reeves, uh, the conversation for another day. But I think the trickiest part about Austin Reeves' free agency is I think at this point, everybody understands the Lakers are going to offer or are going to match pretty much anything uh, that anybody gives him. Um, but the Lakers are limited in what they can actually offer. So, Reeves is going to be waiting for someone to give him more money, but they may not want to. I guess other than to just make the Lakers have to pay more. It's it's hard to game these things out. I do think it is, you know, as you guys brought up, there is the awkward aspect of this where the Lakers can pay him whatever is required, whether it's what they're what they want to offer or whether it's matching what somebody else does because he's restricted. You can match fine. That they can't actually offer the amount that the other teams can offer. Yeah, is is the awkward part. Um, but that'll be understood. Austin Reeves and his agent will, they'll have had that conversation with them. Everybody will be on the same page of this. And they'll probably, I'm sure the Lakers will say, I would think they would say, we absolutely want you back. Here's the most we can offer by rule. You know, you can get more out there. Um, if you do and you get that, we'll be happy to match it. We're bringing you back regardless. Like that's the conversation you would think they would have. Um, but we shouldn't ever assume too much given that they've lost a few other guys that you thought were definitely going to stay. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, Which they do this again. And the whole and the whole league knows this, right? So I think everybody's kind of like if anybody does want to kind of stick it to the Lakers, whether they're interested in, in signing Austin Reeves to, you know, four years, 85 million or not, like they, they you know, they're they know that the Lakers are going to be under in, immense, <laughs> immense pressure. So that, that'll be a, a huge storyline for the for the offseason. Um, but you you had talked about like things that were, are repeatable. Um, this is always the big conversation between games one and two of any playoff series. What happened and is that thing likely to happen again? If you're the, you know, the Grizzlies, you don't think Rui Hachimura is going to go 11 of 15 and five of six from three point range, but the Lakers are pretty confident. Like you say that, okay, but he can still have a good game yet. You know, it wasn't a miracle that Rui Hachimura played well. When you look at stuff from game, from game one, what are you expecting to be able to sustain? What would worry you, if, you know, for the Grizzlies, for example, what would worry you about this? Uh, because they got to win this one. They have to. Yeah. And we don't know if John Morant is playing or not yet. Um, or what his, you know, what his ability will be, like how effective can he be? Mm -hmm. um, you know, you don't, you never want to get too, um, you know, definitive with, with, with things like this. I kind of feel like if John Morant doesn't play that the series is over, right? Like, um, the, the Lakers themselves would probably not want to cop to that belief, but like I, I already listen. I picked the Lakers to win in six before this series started. Um, I already believed they had the better overall group for a lot of different reasons, not least of which is, of course, that Stephen Adams and Brandon Clark are missing for the Grizzlies. They don't, you know, that that team doesn't score well in the half court. They're a little bit um, just all over the map. It's kind of a volatile, volatile group. I don't. I just don't have a lot of trust in the Grizzlies. Respect them, mm. like them fun team, up-and-coming team, not sure they were ready for this. And as I've said many times in recent weeks, 
the Lakers are not who their record says they are with all due respect to Bill Parcells. Um, and I, so I, I thought the Lakers had the, you know, the advantage in this series, regardless, now that they've stolen home, home court advantage, now that John Morant is at, at a minimum limited and possibly out, it's hard to see that, that, that this won't be a, a Lakers series victory. Um, but things can still go wrong, right? Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Certainly had a, a very strong game one, but I would just say if, if that's the only person doing it much damage and you know, all right, he's going to score inside fine. As long as Bain and, and Brooks and Tyus Jones aren't like raining threes on my head. I'll, I'll feel okay about Jaron Jackson going for 30, 35 with, you know, 12 rebounds and four blocks. I'll, that That's fine. He can have his numbers. Um, I don't think Jaron Jackson jr. Is, is beating you by himself. And so the, the other aspect of this, you know, so Tyus Jones steps in, Tyus Jones may be the best backup point guard in the NBA. Tyus Jones is a guy that you absolutely are comfortable plugging in as your starter, but that robs the bench, obviously, of, an, of another key uh, player and playmaker. Um, and the, the, the strengths of Tyus Jones are, okay, he's going to make open shots. He's going to run the offense well. He's a low turnover and, and low mistake guy. But he's not going to explode like John Moran. Like, right? Like, duh. Mm -hmm. Obvious. So, sure. Like, the Grizzlies are are a team that better prepared than most, having played 20-something games each of the last two seasons without jaw. And Tyus Jones has had a really great record as a fill-in starter. But it's that's different in the regular season than it is in the playoffs. Yeah. To, to your point, Howard, we talked about this on Tuesday's show. The Grizzlies last year in the playoffs uh, against the Warriors, I believe in the first round, they were one and two in the games that Ja didn't play after that injury. And, you know, that's that was with a team with better depth. You know, that had Steven Adams, it had Brandon Clark, it had at the time Kyle Anderson. This team would be losing Ja Morant on top of having inferior depth because yeah. of the injuries to Adams and Clark. So yeah. they, I agree with you. They've done very well in the regular season, but just becomes different when you can just scout the hell out of different teams. You mentioned the volatility of, of the Grizzlies, and this feels apropos as we're all waiting for the league to weigh down a decision after Draymond Green and Stompgate. Um, if, if you had to pick between one of three options, will Dylan Brooks have a dude done lost his mind incident before game four, after game four, or no incident at all? <laughs> It would be more fun if it was like before game four, after game four, at halftime of game four on the plane back from game four. Like, you know, like it, it, it I don't, just, I don't want be... to put you in that difficult a position of picking Howard. I mean, that, that, that's some nice. It's nice that you, stuff. it's very nice that you gave me the option of maybe he yes. won't have a done, lost his dude, done, lost his mind moment. Um, well, I want to be fair to Dylan best. Brooks. Yeah. Um, no, something's happening. Something's going to, it's, it's, it's <laughs> Something's gonna happen. I don't know what if it, 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 it might just be a, a, a you know a screaming match with a sports TV personality sitting courtside or something. Uh, it, but there'll, there'll be something like how like it's it, it, it strains reality to think that there won't be at least one Dylan Brooks flare up of some kind. And I say that not uh, critically. It's just observationally. Like I think the analytics would back me up here. You know the tracking data would right. say <laughs> that at some point in the next week. Analytics of, analytics have ruined the game. Um, <laughs> see, so, but like, you would agree, though, like the Lakers are hoping that if John, ja, I don't think anybody wants Ja to, I don't know if the Lakers want to, Lakers would rather beat Memphis with Ja than without. Sure. Um, yeah. But like, if that's the case, if, if even if it's just for game two, 
if Dylan Brooks is sitting there going, all right, it's I got to fill this void. It's Dylan Brooks time. <laughs> the Lakers are would cheer that on. Like that's they would want that, right? The idea that you know maybe maybe it works out for him, but you go into any game pretty happy if if you know Dylan Brooks is going to take twenty three shots. Yeah, you're daring him to. You're yeah. you're you're goading him into it for sure. Now, the danger there is um, Dylan Brooks might make a couple of those shots and get in a rhythm and, and keep hitting them. Um, in which case, you're definitely going to have some sort of Dylan Brooks situation to deal with because uh, he's going to start chirping and gloating and skipping and who knows what else. Um, yeah, some of that. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's a fine line there between the dare non-shooter or overzealous shooter on opposing team to go ahead and shoot versus, oh, now they got in a rhythm. Like, we, you know, Russ has done that. Rondo I mean, has done that. It, it happens. Ron Artest hit one of the most iconic threes <laughs> in <laughs> Lakers championship history. Yes. And that was during a postseason in the Western Conference Finals. Phoenix, part of their game plan was goad Ron Artest into taking threes. Yeah. So and yeah, so there's there, there's a danger there. You you there can, is, but overall you that. you'll you'll take you'll you'll take it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um Want to uh, let people know, uh, obviously, you know, we, we thank everybody for making Lockdown Lakers first listen every day. Every day is uh, tomorrow on the show, breaking down everything that happens in game two, a critical, perhaps jawless uh, game two filled with lots of Dylan Brooks. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I, I got to ask you a little bit about Anthony Davis, um, both in this series and then his his perception. Uh, we talked a lot for uh, for Tuesday's show about uh, him getting uh, not a single point in the DPOY Defensive Player of the Year voting. Uh, really interested in your perception of AD across the league and what this series means for that. So we'll do it all next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by Game Time. And years ago, some friends of mine and I, we went to go see LL Cool J at the Old House of Blues in LA. Really last minute. Didn't know how to get tickets. Tried buying them from a scalper. Turned out they were not actual Tickets. We ended up getting into the show anyway through just total random luck. But I said, I will never go through that again. And buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful anyway. So that's why I love game time. It's the fast, easy way to buy tickets for all the sports and music and comedy shows and theater near you. They got killer deals on last minute tickets, the best price guarantee. And you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun. I love how they offer images of seat views because there's nothing worse than a bad angle. And they got the low price guarantee. They've got the event cancellation protection. They got job loss protection. The game time guarantee means you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. 110%. That is confidence that they have the best deal. It's the reason they are the fastest growing ticketing app in the country, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, the tickets go directly to your phone. Then you're set. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code Locked On NBA for twenty bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create the account, redeem the code Locked On NBA for twenty bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So Anthony Davis, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, Howard was a complete monster uh, in, in Game One. Um, when you when you uh, when you look at what he is capable of doing in this series, what the matchups are, and what the importance of it is for him, 
First, how impressed were you by what he did on that side of the ball? Do you think the Lakers need to figure out a way to get him more involved offensively, or is what they did okay? And just I, you know, I he was engaged at least from our POV in a big way. No, I mean I thought Anthony Davis was fantastic, other than the part where he said, "I can't feel my arm." Um, <laughs> that was concerning. Um, and and look, I mean that's the story of Anthony Davis's career to a large extent, right? You you are either blown away and say, "My my God, this guy is a one man wrecking crew at both ends of the court, and he's fantastic." And especially you know like he's not always engaged at that level, right? But the games that he's engaged, and he certainly was in Game One, you are you're thinking, "Wow, like this is the generational talent that everybody was raving about when he first uh, was drafted." And and, and people were talking like, "Remember, like so we've had like only a handful of guys who are the." Um, best draft pick since LeBron or most exciting draft picks. And, and you know, right now it's Wembenyama. And at once a few years ago, it was Zion. Um, Anthony Davis had that mantle at one point where when he came out, people were like, man, this guy is like, he's going to be a generational type player and a, and a revolutionary type of big man. And he has been a lot of that um, in the course of his career when he's been healthy and fully engaged and, and, and on a team that, that suits him. Right. Um, Still doubts about whether he's leading man material, right? Um, if LeBron retires tomorrow, I think people will start asking all the same old questions. But we know what he's capable of doing. And we saw times this season where the Lakers' season was saved, you know, by any number of things at, at various stages. But in part by Anthony Davis playing like an MVP at, at times. Um, again, definitely definitely replicatable. Uh, definitely what I would expect and and for the Lakers' hope um, for the, the rest of this series. Um Hope that Stinger has gone away. And yeah, I don't see any reason why we, we, we don't see more of the same from him. I'm not saying he's going to be seven blocks every single game, but you know, I, I, I expect a, a profound impact. Did you, did you see anything? Do you, do you read anything into sort of his national perception in the total absence of him? Because he played more minutes than Jaron Jackson Jr. this year, fewer games, but more minutes. Um, we went through a lot of reasons. We thought perhaps he wasn't in there, um, but like, what is the what is the level of of belief uh, of uh, of where he is in the in the sort of you know tiers of NBA players um, from from a national media perspective? Because we we're always deep in it day to day. So I'm a voter. Anthony Davis was not on my ballot. Jaron Jackson Jr. was at the top of my ballot. So uh, Laker fans can be as mad at me as everybody else or or any, anybody else wants to be. I, I don't. You know, it's it's not a it's not a uh, not a concern, but I, I will just say I I bring that up not because I want to invite hate mail, but because I want to. You did pick Lakers in six, Howard. So everyone get off Howard's ass. Thank you. Know? you. I mean, really. There you go. I, I certainly don't have it in for them. Um, listen, here's the thing with Anthony Davis and the Defensive Player of the Year equation, as I saw it. I am one of a hundred, right? I cannot speak for how the other 99 people processed this. We don't we don't have a, like a hundred person conference call to determine the awards or a hundred person Zoom, which would probably be like the most nightmarish Zoom you could possibly imagine. A hundred media members sitting there yapping at each other. Um, and you thought first take was bad. Um, uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, the late... <laughs> When we're when when I'm figuring out, and I think a lot of voters view it this way, when you're looking at something like Defensive Player of the Year, a very specific award for the very specific part of, of of the game involved, you are always looking at how the team fared as well. So yeah. most people didn't have Draymond Green. My, my my buddy Michael Pina, who I used to work with, who's at the Ringer now, Pina had Draymond Green as his Defensive Player of the Year, top of his ballot, and his his case was interesting and and well reasoned. But most of us, I think, probably 
looked past Draymond as well, who had an outstanding season defensively because the Warriors themselves were not great. Now, they were great mm -hmm. when he was on the court. So if you want to start drilling down further and further and saying, I'm just going to judge the guy based on... We have traditionally looked at some you know, sliding axis here of how did the player themselves do, and this goes for MVP too, and how did their team do? Where's the impact? I bring that up because the Grizzlies were number three overall in defensive efficiency and the Lakers were 12th, and there's a decent gap between them. That's part of it. You mentioned games played. That was certainly part of it. It's a seven-game gap. That's you know, like that's, that's like nine percent of the season. Um, you could say, well, Jaron Jackson Jr. playing only sixty-three games. Yeah, okay, but at some point there's a cutoff, and now the league has decided there will be an official cutoff of sixty-five, which I'm not sure if I agree with them putting it there, but fine, that'll be the rule. We will abide by the rule. We have no choice. Um, but Jaron Jackson Jr. was within two games of that, and Anthony Davis was much further from it. You can bring up the minutes. The minutes thing is interesting. People bring this up every year now as we've gotten nerdier and nerdier about the way we analyze players for these awards. Well, okay, this guy played 10 more games, but he actually played 1,000 more minutes. That's actually not mathematically possible. I'm just throwing out the <laughs> <random> numbers. <laughs> um, I'm not a big believer in the using minutes Tibbs to differentiate. Will try. <laughs> Tibbs will definitely try to make it happen. <laughs> There's a joke you can't make in New York. Um <laughs> there, I don't believe in, in bringing the minutes into play unless it's really extreme because mm -hmm. it gets confusing, right? If a guy averages 35 minutes on one team and another guy averages 32 minutes on his team, because that's simply um, the way that they manage their rotation. Maybe he's got a better backup than the other guy does. So we start bringing in minutes. Minutes isn't really about availability. It's about how much your team needs to lean on you within a single yeah. game. And that might have to do with whether or not you blew the other team out. It might have to do with all kinds of other factors. So yeah. the minutes, the minutes gets noisy to me. So I, I think this is one case. Yeah, I don't, I don't mean to pick on your vote. Yeah, no, I, no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have voted my, for. Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't have voted for AD either. I just, yeah, it's just one of these guys. Like he's constantly one of these people you sort of think of as like he's a potential MVP. I don't think he's going to get any MVP votes this year. Um, you know, and I don't think he should. Um, and he, you know, he's one of the best defensive players in the NBA. And he didn't get I any. Mean, it's a weird award. Marcus Smart, yeah. who won it last year, didn't get a vote this year. I mean, I doubt he got that much worse from last year to this year. Um, I just, I find the way we look at him, like, I don't think anybody really understand, like knows where to put him because of that availability issue, because you're always worried that the time bomb is going to explode at any given yeah. moment. Like it almost did in game one. Rest assured, if Anthony Davis had played 10 more games, and especially at the level that he played for much of the season... I think he would have been firmly in the conversation and he would have been more in the conversation for all NBA as well. And he's going to get shut out there too. I'm sure because of, of lack of games and because we had a pretty, yeah, particularly strong year at center, um, especially with Sabonis's emergence with the Kings. Uh, last question I have for you, Howard, if the Lakers manage to win this series and whether they go another round or just, make a really competitive series out of a second round loss, where would you rank this for season turnarounds? Whether you're talking about for the Lakers or just what you've seen covering the league for a very long time. It, it'll, it'll, it will depend on how far they can extend this to some extent, right? Like if they get to the conference finals, especially or beyond, I mean, it will probably blow out of the water. Any what precedent we could probably come up with. Um, the most current one, the most recent one, is the Celtics a year ago, right? 
The Celtics were an afterthought at midseason. There are a couple of, or whatever it was, a couple of games over 500 early in January or something. And everybody's kind of like, man, they're underachieving. We're writing them off. And then everything clicks into place. Robert Williams III gets healthy and, and they, they take off and the Celtics go to the finals. Um, so that's that's actually the one that le- leapt to mind immediately. The Lakers would have Lakers would have killed to have spent most of the season <laughs> a couple games, games above five hundred. Yeah. Like they, yeah. they didn't no. enter above five hundred till like well, late March. That, that and so that that is why this one. And again, it, sliding scale. If they if they were to somehow lose in the first round, we'll go. Wow, that was a really great recovery. Not quite enough. If they make it to the second round and get smoked by the Kings, which is what it looks like at the moment. It'll be the Kings. Um, let's say that that, that happened. We'll we'll still say you know what worthwhile to do what they did glad they did it it did save their season from being an other utter train wreck and an an embarrassment but yeah it was probably too little too late if they get to the conference finals or beyond we're going to be talking about this is probably the greatest in-season turnaround of all time like i don't there might be a precedent for this somewhere i don't know it off the top of my head somebody who's a little bit more uh, yeah you got to go back to 2004 the 2004-05 season, the then New Jersey Nets and also the Chicago Bulls, you got to go back that far to find a team that started out 2-10 and 10 and finished the season above 500. I think the Lakers may be the only team, or if nothing else, the only team in modern NBA history that started the season 2-10 and 10 and made the playoffs. It, Yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard to find precedent for stuff like this because you don't normally have two stars of the caliber of LeBron and Anthony Davis missing as much time as they are a supporting cast that was as clearly flawed as it was, and then be able to recover from it in season. Like all of these things have to happen at the same time. (laughs) That's the recovery. Um, That's what, that's what the Lakers were at the beginning of the season. And this is the Lakers at the end of the season. (laughs) Um, You need another version of that where it's uh, like uh, Westbrook morphing into Rui Hachimura. This this was, this is the league being Austin Reeves curious in November. This is what they think of him now. (laughs) Um, it, it, and, and I, I should actually just say, because I think probably at some point earlier this season, we were all sitting here just like, uh, and I certainly was, uh, hitting the Laker front office pretty hard. Um, phenomenal recovery. I, I still mm-hmm. think they should have fixed the damn thing last summer or in October or November or December, but Listen, they 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 earn all, or or deserve all the credit in the world right now. The reality is, this incarnation, if you like this version of the Lakers, that was actually not available at the start of the season. Like, I mean, you know, you could have maybe but, gone the a, Miles Turner, Buddy Heald route, but if you like this, right? To be fair to Rob Palinka, you couldn't yes. have done this at the beginning of the season. Like, literally speaking, maybe not. Although, listen, uh, some of the guys who were you know temporarily parked in Utah were certainly not going to be spending the rest of their careers. No, but you couldn't have gotten D'Lo though. Right there, there that need certain things needed to happen. Right, um, Minnesota needed to, to to have the opportunity to get Mike Conley and to divest themselves. Although I will say there was enough of a data set in Minnesota from the last few years for them to have known that probably there's better options than D'Angelo Russell. Um, so they'd have to be well run to recognize that right away though. Shots fired. Um, so uh, maybe this exact set of, of trades, um, wasn't available and Rui Hachimura may not have been available then too. I doubt he would have been. The wizards were, the wizards were trying to secure their 10 seed. That right. That, (laughs) (laughs) that they should that they should have more shots fired. My gosh. Um, 
uh, Nick Cage is going to run out of uh, bullets in that gun. Um, he never runs out of bullets. <laughs> there, there is still the the I believe argument to be made, and I would of course make it that they should have done something sooner, but better late than never. And and the deals that they did make were the right deals for the right kinds of pieces, mm -hmm. and and has it has paid off very well. They deserve all the credit in the world for the recovery. Uh, we'll see how far it goes. Like I like I said, I picked them to come out of the first round. Um, I don't know how I'll pick. The second round, whether it's you know kings or warriors, if the warriors can pick themselves up off the mat now, um, but I, but I'll say this: I'll leave it on this note. If the Lakers make the second round and lose to Warriors slash Kings, Northern California team to be filled in later, to me, one, the trades were still worth it, um, and sending out the future assets still worth it, um, still the right thing. Still the best thing, not just for this past season, because it made it meaningful. Me missing the play-in again entirely and missing the playoffs is humiliating and and not worthwhile for a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis on it. And it has set them up. It has set them up better for next yeah. season. Yes. Besides, and that was the thing everybody was like, "Oh no, no, wait until let Russ come off the books. Don't spend the first future picks." Mm -hmm. Don't no. Sometimes the the present and the near future are kind of in the same. Uh, equation and this is one of those yeah. cases uh he is howard back uh and he is uh, a part of our network now through the playoffs and uh and we are really excited about that we're gonna have him back for the second round and the third round and the fourth round and the fifth round and all of the rounds howard will be uh will be joining us uh locked on lakers on youtube is where you can go to see the show Fifteen thousand plus subscribers there lakers fans nba fans all talking about game two which is tonight we'll have all of the uh the the, the recaps and the the analysis for you on uh thursday and we'll see everyone tomorrow